G'day and welcome to the Ball Boys AFL Fantasy Podcast. It's a big one today, guys. We are talking about premium midfielders, the guns in your fantasy side. Let's go! G'day and welcome again to the Ball Boys AFL Fantasy Podcast. I am your host, Mitch Casey, and you can find me on Twitter at Ball Boys Fantasy. And I'm pumped up, and I'm joined also by Luke Rogerson. How are you, mate? Good, mate. Easiest 10 bucks you ever made? What do you <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that, was, that wasn't too bad. A bit, a bit of hype. We should have gone longer, mate. I, I told Mitch if he could hold the uh, let's go for 10 seconds, I'd give him 10 bucks. But I thought that was too easy. Maybe I should easy, up mate. Time. Easy, mate. Let's go. Next, next round, big next pops challenge. On you, mate. Big uh, pops on you. <laughs> so we are, this is the big one, mate. Um, I have a suspicion this might be a slightly longer podcast because there's a lot of names for us to discuss at the top of the tree when it comes to our premium mid prices. You love, your, you love your premium mids. The premium mids, they're, they're where I think a lot of people are going to be spending their cash mm. this season in, in AFL Fantasy Classic. As they're, they should. They're probably going to be a lot of our captain options at the start of the season and yep. uh, and we've got eight positions to fill in our midline, so there's just a lot of lot of names to, to run through and a lot of things to consider. So uh, This is... I find this one of the tougher things to do because obviously we're talking premium so we're talking guys that are you know carry that lofty price tag yep. you're spending big coin you want to get this right um, there's cases to be made that if you overpay and you get underperformance that can really um, get you off to a poor start compared to people who underpay and get great performance. Yeah, 100%. And um, throughout the episode, we'll, we'll talk about specific players. We might also touch on sort of like general technique, or not technique, general uh, <laughs> strategy uh, on Quite like... <laughs> just no like, gap between bat yeah. and pad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on, you know, how much should we be spending or, yeah. you know, so like what sort of price bracket are we, you know, targeting? What sort of upside are we looking for? And um, how many captain options? All those kind of things when it comes to building our fantasy side. So for, sure. for this bracket, we are talking about players who are probably predominantly priced more than 800,000, uh, I think is what we would consider premiums. But a lot of the times we throw in the premium word, I, I, I think a premium is basically a player that you're happy and comfortable running through to the end of the buy and yep. you're only really trading at the end of, you know, and you're into luxury trade season. That's what I would consider a premium and that's what all these players I think should be looked at as your team. But we're going to start at the top of the tree the most expensive, oh sorry, the second most expensive player on his team and in the game, but the highest priced midfielder, Marcus Bontempelli, who had an outstanding season, a Brownlow season, some might say, some being me. Robbed, <laughs> robbed I reckon. And uh, yeah, robbed. he is, he's going to come in and cost us a fair bit, mm. $1,056,000 for AFL Fantasy price at 117 and a half. What are we doing with Bonds? Is it simply too much to pay for one player in your team, or is the fact that he was so good last year, he doesn't have an early round buy, something that we are happy paying up for? Yeah, I think this is the this is probably the good discussion point. You know, leaving Bont aside, can yep. you pay for the most expensive midfielder in the game? Is that a worthwhile pursuit? Like, uh, what I think is Bont and Pelly's an unbelievable player. There's every chance that he goes and averages... What did he average one? Yeah, 117. 117, 117 There's half, every yeah. chance that he does that over the course of the season. But is it fraught with danger starting with a guy like that? So, you know, a point to bring to the table that's, you know, it's there, is that he started last season with 390 scores. So, yeah, I he mean, did. I'm not saying that's going to be the case again, but if that is the case, it ends up being a horrible pick, doesn't it? Yeah. Because and, you've um, top dollar and... Like we've got, I've got his scoring basically for last season up, and um, it's a beautiful scoring thing to look at. But you're right in saying that 
He scored under 100 five times last season. Yeah. Three of them came in the first three rounds. So his like worst <laughs> three bang. performances were at the very start of the season last year. And you and I both had Bont from the very beginning of the year. Yeah. And we were sitting here going, what the hell is going on with this guy? He gets to 90 at three-quarter time. Yeah. And, then he, and then he kicks his feet up and, and stops playing. So, um, and but, this is certainly not to say that, oh, I, I think that he's going to replicate this this season. I'm just saying that if that does happen, when you pay top dollar for a yeah, guy like that... He will come down. Because last season, the thing was we weren't paying top dollar for him. So when oh. we started with the 390s, we were able to see it out, see it out, and then we obviously capitalised with all the great scoring. But if it happens again, suddenly people that paid you know 900k for the guy that pops, yep. compared to you who paid one point whatever mil it is suddenly they've got the leg up on you. He's also, like, that was by far and away his best average for his career in terms of AFL fantasy. His previous high was in 2021 where he averaged 108. So he's put on basically nine points on top of his career best last season. He's always been a guy who's got a very consistently high floor. Like, he had five scores under 100 that's Only crazy. one score under 90, and that was an 86. So his floor is incredibly high. Guess what came either side of that 86 as well? Uh, 128, probably, 151. Yeah, so... so it, it, it's, I'll cop the 86. It's not as if, like... The, the troubling thing is, I don't think you're going to have a huge glaring opportunity of he's going to be extremely cheap at some point of the season. Like, he might come down a little bit in price, as yeah. most of those top dollar guys do. But outside of like an injury or a, or a very heavy tag game, which is possible, but even he's one of the least taggable players in the game right yeah. now. I don't know if I see him coming down dramatically in price. He, I think he will always be at that kind of elevated price point. So let me then float, float the sort of other question when it comes to guys around this price price bracket that you hear discussed on all podcasts and whatnot. Can you just pay up and get a captain option? Is there a case to be made where you just say, hey, I know that he might drop value to start the season, but I'm getting a captain option. I'm locking him away. Is that something that we can do? I think that normally I'd say no. This season, because of the early round buys um, and the fact that Bont doesn't have that, yep. ma- means that there's just a, a few other options that I would normally consider that maybe have been taken away from us, um, at least the way that I'm viewing it. So I think it's, it's more... It's more um, credibility to that argument I think this year than before but even still I'm usually trying to hunt a little bit for the value I put out a tweet a few weeks ago saying that you know since I think 2017 when Tom Mitchell backed it up year after year the number one averaging uh, midfielder has changed every single season so you know history would suggest that Bonds by the end of this season will not be the number one averaging player you are paying for the number one averaging player so um if so, facto, you're, you're overpaying, essentially. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if he falls back down the rankings in terms of midfielders. He's still going to be really good. He's one of the best players in the competitions, yeah. no doubt. But in terms of fantasy upside, I don't really see any. I only really see downside. But, yeah. When you were talking about um, captains before, mm-hmm. last, uh, last year we obviously, a lot of us had a loop at R3 from the start of the season. But is there a case to say that because of these early round buys, maybe you don't need to pay up for a captain option because you're going to be able yeah. to loop quite easily through the first six rounds? Is that something? Well, that- I think that's that's always a case to consider anyway because a lot of the times we won't have it playing R3. Yeah. Um, and we may or may not have that this season. I don't really know yet. But it, I do think that having that one player to be a captain option is often overblown. For example, yeah. last season, Rory Laird was selected a lot of that for a lot of uh, teams last year and look yeah. we dished up in round one we'll talk about him in a sec Too and um, other players emerge as those options in terms of a Tim English in terms of yeah. a Tim Taranto that you know if you were just looking at our season averages prior you wouldn't necessarily think of them as captain options but obviously they became that so I don't think necessarily you need to pay up for that one guy whereas I'd rather spread my cash out over a few guys who on a given matchup could potentially step up to be that player that's just my thought but he is someone that there is a level of confidence in the fact that, you know, when your lowest score is 80 and you go over a ton, go under a ton five times for the entire season, and everyone knows you're the best player, really. Oh, like, man. he's getting attention from teams every yeah. game. Like, he's just that good. Um, there's a level of comfort that comes with that. that he's not going to burn you if he's wearing that captain armband. But uh, for those, I think, trying to compete for a hat and a car, I-, I do think that generally these types of players are ones you want to steer clear of. Is he at Mitchmond? He's not at Mitchmond. No, he's not. He, he's so does not that mean Mitchmond. he gets the. Oh, the yes. No oh, we continue with that. No! God, Surely please, Bond no, doesn't get this no. out. 
No! Come it's on, just, Nova Bond. It's, no! <laughs> it's just not appropriate, is it? We, it isn't appropriate. There's but, every chance Bond bloody sneaks in at, at, uh, at one in, in the mighty Oxlongs. Yeah, you is, reckon there's oh, a chance you know, to get you know in me, there? I'm an emotional cat. Uh, has he trained with the team? He's trained. Yeah, yeah. he's trained. He, he just runs laps. You know, well, I mean, you're not alone. He's you know, 28% uh, owned in AFL Fantasy at the moment, so people he's, are paying up for him. He's not currently in the Oxlongs, but uh, I mean, like I said, there's every chance. I flip flop more than a catfish and a moon bouncer, and it could be a it could be a game time decision, as they say in the NBA. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Round zero is going to change a lot of our teams, I'd imagine. <laughs> let's uh, let's maybe move on to the next players or players because I'm going to combine a couple of guys okay. here, and I want your thoughts on just this team's midfield rotation in mm. general. Mm. I'm talking about the two Crows boys in Jordan Dawson and Rory Laird. Are you looking at either of these players, one more so than the other? What are your thoughts on these two boys? Look, at this stage, neither of them uh, are training with the boys. But if one of them was going to, it would be Dawson. I think some of that comes down to that old thing that I like to say, pick players that I really like to watch. Dawson is just elite to watch. But both of these guys, for me, fall into that category of paying top dollar for, um, for a guy that could start with a bit of a slow start and potentially then, you know, stitch you up with some value. So looking at statistically, obviously Laird last year started slowly, that burnt people that had him. But then the thing about last year with Dawson was Dawson actually finished quite slow in his last mm. um, last six games. He only went over 100 twice and one of those was just a 105. So it's not necessarily to say that I don't think Jordan Dawson will be a top five midfielder this year, but do I pay top dollar at the start of the season? I'm hesitant. What are your yes, thoughts? well, I think um, I think both these players are relevant, and I I would listen to arguments about starting either of these players in your side. You could argue there's upside in both. I believe um, Rory Laird obviously had that shocking first round game where he yep. um, obviously was a victim to the heat. I will say he versus Gold Coast in round one at Gold Coast. However, I've looked into this, Luke, and he plays a nighttime game. So hopefully that Mate, means... it's going to be muggy as hell up oh, here. It'll be muggy as hell, but hopefully he doesn't get heat stroke at least and uh, <laughs> he, can, he can push through the game. So um, It does get hot up here, it does. I'm a little bit encouraged by the fact that it is a night game on a Saturday night, but he does play the Gold Coast Suns at, at Gold Coast in round one. Um, but if you put that a game to the side, I guess, he did come out and score uh, a 140 the next game afterwards. And after that game, he averaged 112 if you take out round one. He did, however, average 110.7 with Dawson playing in the midfield. Price at 109. I kind of think he just is what he is now. I don't know if I foresee him bouncing back to that 120 average that he had, which I think came as about of them being a very high stoppage team and him being the number one guy in there. I definitely do think that Dawson has kind of stepped in and said, boys, this is, this is my midfield. Um, Get on my back. So, I, for those people who expect him to jump back up to that 120 area or think there's a possibility of that, I doubt that very much. Uh, but I do think he can average 110, basically, for the season. When you mentioned um, round two before, he went 140. So 57, 140. But then the following two games, he went 280s. Yes. So is there? do you think there's anything to the narrative um, of cuddle season? Yeah, the winter months. Um is there anything to that? Or? Maybe it's it's hard to tell. What I what I will say, I mean, teams do play reasonably bruise free footy for the first yeah sort of little patch. It, it, teams are a bit more daring, a bit more. Well, they're working on their own game plan, is the way I see it. So they're instead they're, of trying to stop the other, they're focused on hey, what are we implementing this year? Yep. And then as the season goes on, we go okay, we're getting comfortable with our game plan. Let's now go into a little bit of negate mode, especially when teams realise that they may not be in the hunt. So I mean, I don't know if there's something to that statistically. I'm sure somebody. Would be able to find out for us, but uh, I just feel as though maybe there's something there with those guys that have high tackles. I want to I want to stay on that note for a little bit longer because I think that's very relevant for this team, particularly in Adelaide, because we saw at the start of the season, especially after those first two losses against the Giants and the Tigers, they had wins over Port Adelaide, uh, Frio. Um, Carlton and Hawthorne four in a row and I think at that time it was especially I remember that that win over the Blues that was um, I think it was the showdown week that that week where the Crows were playing incredible footy and they were having players like Rochelle run through the midfield they were playing a very fast style of gameplay compared to what we've seen them in the past they still led the league last year in stoppages for um, for any team in the AFL they had the most amount of ruck contests and tackles and tackles so I think that's been the case for the last couple of seasons and Laird has capitalised on that. 
I wonder, moving into this season, and I think this is going to be a big watch for me, what their midfield makeup is going to be. Is it going to be... Well, Rory Laird and Dawson are going to be in there. Yep. But who's the next player? Is it someone like a Rochelle? Is it someone like a Matt Crouch? If yeah. it's a Matt Crouch, it kind of, to me, lends itself more to that continuing doing that high stoppage game. Rory Laird might benefit from that. If it's a faster style with Rochelle yeah. in there as the third guy, I think that benefits more someone like a Jordan Dawson because he's a guy that... He can tackle. I mean, he still is going to score really well in that yeah. role, but he is someone who gets out for marks a bit more, commands the ball. You know, they want it in his in his hands so he can kick it long and deep. Um, I'm just very interested in terms of the style of play that Adelaide are going to come with this season. I suspect the style won't influence Dawson either way. No, he'll He's be good kind of regardless. Player, yeah, but I suspect it could influence Laird. This is Adelaide's midfield mix, like you said, is a really interesting talking point, and we'll talk about it next podcast when we talk about Matt Crouch yes. because I just found that just such a fascinating thing that he was he was essentially he was playing out. Scoobies all year. Yeah. Comes in and is just like a solid lock in the midfield rotation. So anyway, we'll talk about him in, in a future podcast, but yeah. very interesting discussion so I, point. I think that's that that's gonna really impact Laird. Like you said, I feel Dawson is very safe. And I, I want to remind everyone that Dawson went into the midfield I don't, I don't know if he pr- trained too much in the preseason as a midfielder, but he started the first three rounds playing in defense. I started yeah, really. him in my fantasy team and yep. was very much watching him. Thanks for rubbing it in. And then, uh, and then I in started the, hating you. You did. <laughs> Actually, it was in the Port Adelaide Power game, the showdown in round three. Halfway through the game, he swapped over into the midfield. Didn't score well that game, but didn't look from that op- that game on, and he got that. He infamously won the medal, and he didn't even play that well uh, with eighteen disposals. Won the medal, but after that game on, went into the midfield and went absolutely bananas and averaged one hundred and fifteen for the season. In his first year in the midfield, we've seen players like Rory Laird move into the midfield partway through the season, average 111. The next season, he went on to average 120. Yeah. So there's something to be said, I think, about a player who kind of made that switch, albeit early in the season, but midway through the season, mm. to getting a preseason under his belt, training as a midfielder. Yeah. He's the captain still, obviously. He's a gun. Um, yeah. Is he priced at 113? Is, like, is there room for him to really take it up to another level? And is there a level where he could be the number one averaging player in the game? The answer is yes. The reason I think that maybe the sort of argument that you were saying just then doesn't hold as much weight for him is because of how early he went into the midfield in the season. So I think in terms of that adjustment period of learning what the the, um, team does around stoppages or these little intricacies of playing in the midfield, he's had a full season. And we saw that in the patch between rounds 11 and round 18. He pretty much didn't go under 120 during (laughs) during those weeks. You know what I mean? Like it's an insane little patch there. So I think there is the case to be made that he could do that on a very, very regular basis. And I wouldn't be surprised if he does, but I don't know if it's because he's now going to have had a full preseason as a midfielder. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I I do think that... Look, he's not going to be underpriced and you're not picking him for value. But if I am surveying those top-end guys, Jordan Dawson is not someone that I'm ruling out starting in my side. Um, I think that, like Bont, he has an extremely high floor. We talked about Bont only going below 90 once. Jordan yeah. Dawson did it uh, you know, twice. <laughs> so uh, very comparable in that, in that regard. Yeah. So high floor. I don't see him getting extremely, like a whole lot cheaper. Um, so your chances to jump on him at a really cheap price, I think, will be limited. No early buy. I uh, he's currently in Mitchman. He's currently in Mitchman. Yeah, he's currently in. Wow, wow, he's very nice. He's very nice. I straight guess uh, which button to pick. <laughs> well, good <laughs> selection. Um, but Rory Led, Rory Led's trained with the boys, but currently not in there. But I'm not ruling him out. Um, but either of those boys make an appearance in your side or not, not? at the minutes. Not at the minutes. Not okay. at the minute. But there's uh, I'm pocketing a little bit of cash that could turn into a. Ooh. Genuine elite guy. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, before we move on here, guys, just a reminder that if you are enjoying all the preseason AFL fantasy content, uh, please go ahead and give this video a big old thumbs up and uh, subscribe. And if you're listening over on uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, make sure you give us a five-star rating and review. We were just reading some of the reviews from last season and very, very kind words from a few guys over there. So if you haven't given us a five-star review... most of them were Mitch under his I've got a aliases. lot of burners. <laughs> <laughs> so many email addresses. So many. I'm getting flooded with I was spam. reading some of them. I was like, fuck, Mitch is, Mitch is a great guy. God, Mitch has got good gear. I was like, fuck, Mitch doesn't have good gear. That can't be, that can't be right. <laughs> that doesn't sound right at all. This I've, has got to be Mitch. I've spent a lot of money in the off-season. Uh, <laughs> paid off a lot of people. Uh, but yes, please go and give us a five-star rating and review. If you are, and if 
you're listening on YouTube and you don't listen on, on podcasts, you just do us a favour. Head over to our podcast and, and give us a five star. But uh, I'm actually going to write one and forward it to you. Oh, I'll That's give you the script. <laughs> <laughs> Insert name here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dear residents. All right. Uh, let's move on to talk about reference, mate. Good. two players. Um, I don't know why. People might question why I've combined these two players. But these are two top-of-the-line guys yes. who both have early buy rounds that I'm seeing in a lot of teams at the moment. Mm. And look, I understand the reasoning why. Tom Green, Errol Goulden, both huge breakouts oh, for last season. Massive. There were periods where I had neither in my fantasy side. Well, um, at the start of the year, we picked one and not the other. And then the one we picked, you decided to ditch yeah. at one point, inexplicably. But, yes. Uh, I ended up with both of them in my team at the end of the end of the year. But um, Tom Green, Errol Goulden, I'm kind of lumping them in the same boat because they're both obviously very young, up-and-coming future stars, or basically stars now yeah. of the competition. Yeah. Um, do you see any validity picking these guys? And and I'll get your thoughts in a second on a strategy which you brought up in our first podcast together, which, I don't know, I've been thinking about and mulling over recently. Well, I've given uh, you a strategy. Yeah, you have. That's, yeah. that's new, mate. I've, that doesn't happen I've frequently. Been, I've been mulling it over and, and right thinking about it. But, um, but what are your think, thoughts of these guys just in general to start off with? The, the early buy is what is a little bit scary in this case. For me... They probably fit into slightly different categories, and it's because of the first two games that Tom Green has. <laughs> yes. it's. It, I think it would be a lot to pick a guy based on the fixture, knowing he has the round three buy, but knowing that it's West Coast and North Melbourne, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Those, those scores. If he decides to go and fill his boots, those scores could be absolutely massive. So, I mean... If you look into it from last year, but it doesn't necessarily fill you with confidence. Like last year against West Coast, 90 first time he played him against North Melbourne 73 I believe he was tagged in the North Melbourne game I don't recall much in the West Coast game I think it was just a bit over his head but yeah and he but, only played them twice yeah is that enough to is that Look, enough the to history scary? the history versus the team is not great but I I still would lean on the side of the fact that I think they're going to pump him and the tag against North Melbourne especially like I don't you know the first few games like I'm not sure if North Melbourne are going to come out and tag him Round one yeah. or two, um, or round one. I think it was a Liam Shields tag from memory. Um, so I, I wouldn't be too worried about that happening round one. Um, so I'm not as worried about the fact that he didn't score well against last year. I just think they're going to be a, a decent team to score against again this season. So um, if if he can't, let, okay, let's say you pick him. So the the strategy that you were alluding to was yeah. you pick him, you trade him to Walsh if Walsh does. So he's got round three. Sam Walsh has round two. two. So Walsh is going to come off his buy the same week that Tom Green has his buy. So there's a few reasons why this is spicy. Is Firstly, you're relying on Tom Green to do what you expect against against North Melbourne and West Coast. Yep. You're then also, you're locked into that strategy essentially because then you're relying on Walsh to do what you expect Walsh to do yes. over the first two weeks of the season. Relying on other players no chaos to not happening. get injured, yep, yep. picking the right mid prices. Like, there's a fair few flags popping up here. It's like the bloody summit of Mount Everest. Yeah, flags it, it, it is. And, not that I've been there, and, but I'd and could you just avoid that by just going with someone else who's of a similar price point that maybe just does slightly unders or even equal to yes, whatever I think, he does? I think even though I brought that up, I'm not endorsing it whatsoever. Because this is the thing. Like, let's say Tom Green comes out and he actually plays well. He gives you two... One tens. That's not enough to justify the strategy no, for me. No, Do you know it, what I mean? Needs, like, he would need to come back and go 130, 130. Yes. You've captained him both times. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Walsh is coming, you know, Walsh is climbing and you get on him, bang, yeah. you're in. Like, And then it's just, wow, fantastic. And, and, and you've nailed all your rookies. You look like you, a fucking legend. You've got legend. some good mid-prices. Like, you're on a roll. Like, it, it, look, and I'm not ruling that out. Like, maybe in 12 months' time, we're interviewing the winner again. And he said, yep. I did that, and, and that was my exactly. strategy came in through, and it, and it all aligned for me. So I'm not ruling it out. It's probably not something that I feel comfortable. You could um, end up. You could end up looking like a bunch of wankers. <laughs> we need to get that. This is that, that is a good sound grab, That's actually. Good, That's, we'll have to load that one up. But, um, yeah, I, I just don't want to rule it out. So he's at 20. <laughs> what are you doing? You don't even have it lined up and queued up. <laughs> no one can hear it. We look um, like a bunch of wankers, Gene. <laughs> Buddy F1. That's a great, great line. Um, but he's at 22% rostered at the moment. Um, and Errol Goulden, who I'm bringing up with him, is at 18%. Like That's high. It's very high. It's it's very high for two players who are paying basically a million dollars for. They've got an early round buy. Um, and 
I know the fixture is nice, but there are so many other other options that are, are good value. Talk about Errol Goulden for me in a sec, because yep. he I traded him out for a reason. Yep. And the reason was he was a winger. He he kind of bucks the trend a lot compared to these other players in the same price bracket yep. that he did this on like 30% CBAs God, last that makes year. it impressive, doesn't it? And 36% CBAs. Um, averaging 113 in his third year in the AFL. He's like 22 years old or will be turning 22 this season. Yep. Like he is not the... F- like he hasn't full... This is not his final form, basically. He is going to continue to get oh, he better. he will. He will. So compared... I mean, compared to Green. So Green, 83% CBAs. Yep. Goulden, 34% CBAs. Yes. This is across the season. So we know that Goulden can score in that wing role, but does the fact that he's likely to be in the wing role make his scoring just a volatile. little bit more volatile? Yeah. 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 So like if you're paying for Errol Goulden and he comes out and gives you what he started the season with last year, again, it's a horrible pick. So yeah, 99, 104, 71, 95, 96, 70. And it's, and it's again, I'm not sitting here saying he will start the season. I'm just yeah. saying if he gives you a little string like that, yeah. you've overpaid for a guy that's now going down in value when people have underpaid for people that are popping. And so, and yeah. listening to a lot of the very intelligent people talk about fantasy and like the, way it's, yeah. the way it's played, <laughs> it's... It's it's a value game. Like you, yeah, you yeah, can't yeah, be yeah. going down while others are going up. Exactly, exactly. And you know, even if he goes 115 to start the you know to start the season, like you then you've got that early buy. You, you're giving up 50 points by yeah. you know when you have an extra rookie playing and your best 18 than others who don't have him might. So um, I do think that in general, even though there's some juicy fixtures, there's some upside because they're both young players. They're both yeah. going to improve again. We're going to talk about our draft rankings later this week, and they're going to feature very highly. Um, but in terms of starting them in classic, I think it's a big old for both of them. No, God, please, no, 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 no. No. Okay, so we'll cross those ones off the list. Uh, Sydney have added, added a few midfielders too, just as uh, that. That is true. Um, so you know, your, your pipe dream of him getting up to sixty percent mm. uh, CBAs might. Might be a little bit less uh, realistic. Let's a, talk about what a waste. Let's talk about one of my favourite players in the AFL. Oh, of course, a guy that just gives it a hundred percent every time he's out there. Um, Andrew Brayshaw. You'd hope Frio that's Dockers. every player in the AFL. <laughs> you would hope, but it doesn't look like it a lot of the time. Um, but this guy, talk about um, observable thirst. I think oh, he's got it. He does. Yeah. He he plays hard, goes for every tackle that he can he can make. He collects the ball like crazy. He can sneak forward and kick a few goals as well. Andrew Brayshaw is someone that I traded in last year at one of the better times of the season. You've done that two years? Actually, you started with him. I started with him last year. So he's he's been very kind to me over the years in AFL Fantasy. Um, But for the first six rounds of the season, it was pretty obvious that he was under a bit of a... He had a, he was carrying a bit of a niggle, yeah. and I think he referenced a knee injury, I want to say. Um, and then it was after that Lions game that he referenced that it was the first game that he felt like he was fully healthy. And from that point on, he went on to average 100 and... 100 and... What do you say? Oh, I'm missing here. Oh, 114 points yeah. from that point on. So he... Um, Price at 110, I still think he's got a little bit of upside. He's also down from the previous year where he's averaging 112. So is he someone that you're considering in your team? Is it as simple as, you know, we ignore those first few games and move on? Or is there a bit more to it with, for example, a player like Hayden Young coming into the midfield? Well, he's priced at, he's priced at 110 and you said sort of 114. And that, that finish to the year was amazing. It's, you know, as good yep. as it's going to get when you know, sub 100 twice. Really, really good finish to the season. So there's only four points there to play with for you does he fit into the category of you just pay up and selecting a potential captain option that's just a little bit cheaper than yeah so this is, is this is that bracket that I usually like to start with with a uh, as an M1 you know last year I started with yeah. a Jack Steele who was around this price point where I thought there was a little bit of upside yeah. uh, players with a high floor I also really like to select that are not going to burn you and you hope that they don't come out put up a poor score and everyone else can jump on cheaper like you said went under 100 only twice I also think the ascension of Caleb Sarong is the best thing that's ever happened to Andrew Brayshaw. Yeah, it takes the attention. The attention is just as likely to go to him as it is for Brayshaw. We even saw in the game against the um, the Hawks 
I think it was later in the season, the last round of the game, the last round of the season, when we all jumped off all the Frio midfielders, thinking that you know they'd both get clamped by Finn McGuinness. And um, it started, I think, with Brayshaw or Sarong. I can't remember. But it, it changed. It went from Brayshaw yeah. to Sarong and ended up on Luke Ryan, of all people, at the they end of the day. Him, yeah. um, and he averaged, he averaged, he scored 134. So I think the... The removal of the fact that he is an obvious tag target for this team does wonders for him. Um, and I think that, again, like a few of these other guys we've already talked about, he has a chance to be the number one scoring midfielder in the comp. Uh, and we talked about no early buy rounds. He also has that super favorable round, I want to say 13? Yeah, round 13 buy, where the Frio Dockers only share it with Port Adelaide. So... Um, we talked about the Gold Coast Suns and the yeah. Strong Cats last year as those guys that were very desirable. Um, Port and Frio are going to be that this year. And if you can start, you know, a captain option from that yeah. team, I think it's I think it's a strong play. It's getting um, less airtime than it was last year, isn't it? Like last year, all the talk was about, okay, uh, Gold Coast players, you want to own Geelong players. It, it was kind of own. like in that upgrade season, but like where everyone was talking about it. Mm. I, think, I don't feel like it got much in the preseason. Well, I think people were considering the buys to start the season, at least giving some consideration, yeah. whereas now all the talk is obviously about the early buys. It makes sense. They're, yeah. they're the first ones. I think you've got, you've got two more relevant fantasy teams as well. Yeah, which like, definitely helps. Yeah. Last year sucked from that perspective. I'm just not 100% Bray sure how the Hayden Young thing will impact him. No, you didn't. <laughs> yeah, how long have you been planning that one? Did you write that down? Uh, it was started that last week. <laughs> I actually wrote that down over at home. I've got a little, I've got a little pocket pad here. Little pocket to pad. Check. Um, Hayden Young, talk to me. What are you concerned? No, I just wanted to say the joke. But <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, with Hayden Young is going to go in there and be a very, very different type of midfielder to what Sarong and Brayshaw are. So those guys are accumulators. They're going to pop out for cheap plus sixes. They're going to get in with the outside ball, and Hayden Young's going to be explosive, break the lines. The only, the only thing. Where I might see it being an impact is if Frio put Hayden Young in there and say, okay, we want to play a fast game mm. style where we have Hayden Young and Co. breaking the lines out of the midfield and then Frio do less of the chippy, chippy shots. He short. does get a lot of his ball from those little 45s. 45s. But it's because he runs so fucking hard. Like That's you watch true. the guy play, he, he gets to positions that other guys just wouldn't bother getting to. No. You see, yeah. if, like, let's say there's a mark on the halfback flank. He's just working in that little short 45 pocket. He'll pop out and he, get that He won't give six. up. Like, he won't just go, oh, yeah, I'll just go to the yeah. next So I, I wouldn't expect Hayden Young going in there to impact his scoring. Um, hopefully. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. I do have some data on that. So, obviously, it's a five-game sample size, but yeah. it's all we've kind of got to go off. It's but um, in that time where uh, Hayden Young went into the midfield, Andrew Brayshaw averaged 116.7 in those games. So, Pretty good. Um, But Caleb Sarong averaged 103.6. So in terms of difference from their average, Sarong was the one that was more affected than Brayshaw. Brayshaw actually went up. Sarong went down. So uh, I I do think, and and just because I think I see Sarong potentially getting more attention and maybe being the least clean user of the three. Well, in terms of penetrating kicks and things like that, He's yeah. probably the guy that is farming it out to Brayshaw and Hayden Young yeah. rather than the flip side. So you know, I do feel like he might be affected, Brayshaw and Hayden Young, maybe not so much. I'm, pu- I'm purely speculating. I don't have Sarong's numbers in front of me, but perhaps Hayden Young's tendency for a cuddle in those last five games... Affected Sarong. I mean, I yeah, well, he, quickly, he, he went very strong in the tackle count because I think a lot of people have the question about, well... Are there too many mouths to feed in Frio? Like, how many 100-plus averaging midfielders can you have in one team? And it's a very valid question. So uh, the way I'm kind of justifying my belief in Brayshaw coming up at least a few points as well as Hayden Young is I do also think that someone like a Caleb Sarong might be on the way down. Uh, But it will be something for us to monitor. It will also require, I think, all three of them to be very high percentage in the rotation, like you kind of need them all to be sort of like that 70 to 80%, and they're the fourth and fifth guy to be sort of just, you know, the extra add ons. Um, so we'll have to keep an eye on like how deep their midfield rotation is. Yeah. Um, and if there are any stints forward for a Brayshaw or a Sarong or, or any of those guys, I, I wouldn't expect that to be the case. Sarong's tackles were still pretty good in those last five games, so it must be something else. Yeah, <clears> right. <throat> there you go. So for me, he gets a big old, I mean, unless you disagree, one of these ones. 
Wow, wow, he's a very nice. Wow, wow, wow. Wow, yeah, he, he's he's at the Oxongs, mate. He's training. He, he's the longest of the Oxongs. Oh, okay, there you go. All right, so let's move on to the next guy who we just referenced the buy rounds um, in that round thirteen as a positive. For the Port Adelaide Power, I've got Zach Butters here, but you could also throw in Connor Rosie as a, a talking point. Are you keen on either one of these players moving forward? Um, you know, they were both forwards last year. Yeah. A lot of the time that, you know, we sort of think, oh, same with Dawson as well. He was a defender. You kind of go, oh, they're not, they lost their DPP. I'm not going to worry about them. But do you think that that would be an incorrect, I guess, way to go about it? Zach Butters, I still think presents some value there. Hey, this is interesting because I'm trying to, I'm trying to make sure that I'm playing with my head and not my heart here because he's so good to watch. We both say that yeah. the best game of footy we saw a player play last year that was Butters in the wet. Yeah, um, for that one forty-eight was, I mean, fantasy, fantasy, but football as well. So I'm trying to battle here. Am I, am I sort of playing with my heart a little bit? But patches there in the season, he was easily a one ten guy, which gives you a, a premium with effectively 10 or more points, you know, on the bone, as the mm-hmm, traders say. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, other patches during the season, it was looking pretty bleak. His first three games, 89, 59, 60, but... Wasn't in the that midfield. Was pre, yeah, yeah, that was pre-midfield. So, yeah. from that point, with those average, with those games baked in, it actually looks like a reasonably good pick, doesn't it? Yeah, I still think that there is, like you said, a bit of meat on the bone um, and combined with the fact he does have that round 13 bye. I also think, and this is interesting because I'm not, I'm not sure many people are across this, but when it comes to fantasy averages from a team point of view, prior to last season, 2022, Port Adelaide were one of the highest averaging fantasy scorers of the competition. Last year, they were dead last. They were the worst scoring team for fantasy um, averages or total points for fantasy. And they still had two premium options in Connor Rosie and Zach Butters. So they're playing faster? Is that what? Um, they definitely are playing faster. Lower stoppages. They're, they're lower, lower stoppages. Um, and a lot of those guys, you know, you saw it in players like Ollie Wines. You saw it in a few of their defenders and things like that took a downturn when it came to their averages. But... The fact that those guys are able to, to survive as premium options in that kind of environment, I think, bodes extremely well. And they also managed to do it with, like, not elite CBA percentages. Zach Butters for the season average. Yeah. Um, what did he average? I missed it out here. But he averaged uh, 62% yeah. in terms of CBAs. Like, None that of their guys have massive CBAs. It, that could easily, being the player that you and I both think that he is in yeah. terms of like a Brownlow potential, that could easily go up another 10, 15%. But oh, I don't I know whether... It, I, well, it could... Then why didn't it last year? I looked at Port Adelaide CBA numbers, and normally most teams have a big eighty percent guy, like they have someone around that eight percent. But for Port Adelaide in particular, it was very much like I think even Rosie was like low seventy percent. Yeah, um, yeah, Rosie was their highest at sixty nine percent. But then interestingly, it's not because they sent a heap of guys through there. So they had so Rosie Butters, Wines, Horn Francis, uh, Horn Francis, little bit of Boke, little bit of Drew, Drew, yeah, Boke. So like, Boke was in and out there in patches, but I think he'll be almost so completely so removed mainly this Drew year. Drew the was like the the fourth or fifth. So there's there's five or six guys there. But like compared to some teams, some teams fucking running a million yes. guys through there. Yes. But it, I thought low CBA percentages would equate to lots of guys going through there, but it's just obviously not the case. They yeah. just share it very evenly they, amongst they, they, had, they had a very set kind of rotation last yeah. year. And I think well, we also have to remember, like this was his first season in the midfield. Um, like yeah. he was not playing midfield minutes before this. The concern was always his body. Like again, this is the. Um, I think he's had to work on his tank as well. Yeah, uh, from reports that I've read. So, like I said, it, he's still young. He's a rising star of the competition. I, I think that. I mean, and even if it doesn't, even if it stays around that 65 percent, like he's there's still shown. baked in value. I still think, but there is a level of untapped potential. I still think there for Butters. Um, I see him personally more of as that pure midfielder than a Rosie. I think Rosie maybe is a better damaging forward than a Butters. So even if you just flip that 62 and Rosie's 69, I don't know. It doesn't really matter too much. I just I think don't that think there Rosie is upside. Will play too much forward, but getting forward of the stoppage. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, Butters, but not Rosie? I think so. Well, Butters is the cheaper of the two. Yeah. I also think that he probably has a higher upside and ceiling um, if all things go to plan um, could you have both maybe I think maybe I personally want to pick one of the two and for me that's Butters but 
I wouldn't talk anyone out of picking both because they are both still getting better as players and they have that really good buy. So, um, but for me, it, it is Butters over Rosie. Yeah, I got Butters in there, and he's one of my premium picks that I think could have the best potential upside. I reckon we should. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, 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 because no. Rosie no. was one. <laughs> oh, Rosie, yeah, no, no to Rosie. Yes and you know to what? Butters. As well, we've found our maybe. No, we just play both no. at the same time, except the no goes for no. way longer. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's move on from there. We're starting to get into what I would consider the value premiums now. Um, and there's a few guys that I we, we could maybe compare them, but I mean, what do you want? Did you want to, do you want to bring them all at once or go through them one by one? No, let's go. Let's tick them off. Let's go through them one by one. Okay. And well, I mean, there's going to be natural comparison, yeah. I think. Well, we'll go through, starting out the, we'll go by price order. Jack Steele as the next player here who, look, I started last year and had to trade him out quickly after he was injured, I think, in round two. Um, but he is someone who disappointed a lot of people last year when they traded into him, I think, after his buy. And rightfully so, he was disappointing. But still, you know, 98 average for the season for how painful it seemed at certain yeah. points. He finished the season a lot stronger than that middle patch there. It also came out after the season that he has had ankle surgery. He did, right after the loss, yeah. Right after the loss, I think back in September or something like he that. He just had it before the brown line. I was listening to an interview. Yeah, so. so obviously there was, and we all thought it was the knee at the time because he had that strapping on. and <laughs> we were, It was bloody strap Man, watch. Best best way to help your ankles is by strapping your knee. That's what I've always said. <laughs> yeah. That's what I've always said, mate. A little bit of mind games there, yeah. I reckon. Um, but he, It's a placebo. Yeah. <laughs> placebo. Don't worry, Jack, mate. You'll be right. You'll strapped be right. up. It's all yeah. good. Um, but you can look at that two ways. One, he's had off-season surgery, red flag. Yeah, um, but it's very good. early. Early in the off-season. Yeah, the so. other way you can look at it is clearly there was a reason that he was not himself. Yeah. And that maybe if that is solved this season, we're going to get more of the Jack Steele that we expected. I think this year. guy could be a steal. Um, he... <laughs> <laughs> that one doesn't get crickets. That was a good one. Yeah, eh? that was a good one. That was hey. good one. Um, delivery. It was delivery. Now I've got to sell why he's giving me a steal. <laughs> I just said it for the joke. Um, I mean, that's that's the thing that I think fills me with a bit of promise is it's, it's a surgery that they've addressed, um, you know, early in the off-season. My understanding is he's going to have a relatively full pre-season. And it's so juicy to think oh. that this guy's gone effectively. Did he go 120 or is it... Or, uh, know, he's been got, he's, he's done 120 before 121 we did okay. in 2021 year before he did a 110 average but even so, in that one he has an injury affected game where he did his shoulder and had the you know, 77 he also had the I think there was a tagged game oh no that Lions game the 65 was just oh no it was tagged the, yeah. uh, the barometer got in that game um, so he's he's yeah. pretty much a 110 guy you'd think I think he is you, you know what this is actually an interesting point for discussion and, and interested to get people's thoughts in the comments as well. Is it is there some sort of safety in picking these guys that have done it before? Do we mm. do we find is it better to do that or is it better to try and pick the breakout? What's this is this is, is a, this just a matter of opinion? I, I think a lot of times it's easier to paint over everything with a broad brush and say, you know, it's easier to pick players that have done it before and it's harder to pick players that or flip side. I think there's always circumstances that you know, dictate one or the other. Yeah. The reason I think that in this instance it does present value is because I can explain why he is down as low as he is. Yeah. And I think through that explanation it won't affect him this year. A lot of concerns I think on some other players, you know, and not getting to our forward things like Jack McRae, the concerns that have him as cheap as he is now and the fact that he's done it before are still there. Like he's still got better the coach. Whereas yeah. Jack Steele, assuming that he's healthy going to round one, you you would think that the reason he is cheap and the reason he is below what he expects him to do, that is gone. Yeah. So what's to say, you know, the team isn't dramatically different. The the coach is still the same. And and I tried to look into this as well in terms of the Saints being a very high fantasy scoring team. You know, was there a difference in game style? They were a low stoppage team prior to Ross Lyon getting yeah, there. They were a low the stoppage thing. team last year. So yeah. it's not a change in the pace of the team. Like, yeah. If anything, there's upside. Like maybe they're a higher stoppage team yeah. this year. Um, so I don't think that there's a reason. Maybe 120 is out of the question, but I don't really think that there's a solid reason that he can't go 110 again this year. He mentioned in the interview that I was listening to as well that he he 
himself considers him very much like a confidence player as well and that he said that he lost confidence through last year. So uh, hopefully with, you know, that ankle out of the way and sorted, a solid preseason will obviously, you know, be on preseason watch. Mm-hmm. Hopefully he comes out, you know, full of confidence and he's given us those one tens. Another another sort of um no, I've lost it. <laughs> <laughs> the mind, the oh, mind of Mike Rogerson right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's frazzled. No, I'll, I'll be back. All right, come come back to me back when, back it, when it returns yeah. to your head. But I, I think Jack Steele's a solid pick. I, I think it's one of those ones that I can see a lot of people overthinking it yeah. a little bit, but I, I think this is one you don't overthink and um, you kind of square him away, assuming that he's healthy. Like, keep an eye on the preseason and if that ankle surgery does limit him a little bit and, and that would be maybe the only red flag that I would raise. But outside of that, like, I still think he's going to be the Jack Steele that we've, you know, we know and love. And, yeah, uh, yeah he's, again, training with the team. Wow, wow, he's very nice. All right, this next one, I'm going to play another sound bite because... Are we... Uh, no question about it. I am ready to get hurt again. LD Useless was the name you gave this guy. Luke yeah. Davies, Uniac. Um, I've been digging into this guy a little bit because... Yeah, you've got, be, uh, you got an article coming out. So. Yeah, yeah. Going to be putting out the Deck of Dream Team article, or Deck of DT article. Uh, yes. Not this Monday, next Monday. So, yes, so all stay tuned and, and give that one a read where you deep dive into LDU. Keep an but, eye out for that. Photos are good on that one too. But, but give us your thoughts in, I guess, audio uh, format of like, wh- where are you at with this guy? A lot of people might have him on their never again list. Um, um, and, and he's probably earned the spot on the yeah. never again list, hasn't he? We both started with him uh, last mm. year and we thought it was a bloody great pick. After round one and two, where he went 108 and 123, I think he was priced at like 94 or something at the start of the year. Oh, I remember what I was going to say. Can I say it? Go. <laughs> because this maybe applies to LDU as well. Okay. I was going to ask, with these undervalued premium guys that you're, you're picking and hoping in a pop steal, LDU, these mm-hmm. guys, is there some safety in choosing these guys? Because if in the first few rounds of the season it doesn't work out, you go down to the mid-pricer who has popped, is... Yeah, I guess, there, I guess like, there is. Um, I guess it depends on your level of conviction that they're going to come back because yeah, okay. if you're like pretty convinced they're going to come back and you jump early um, and they do, then they do bounce back and you know maybe it's just a, a lean patch at the start and then you'll be kicking yourself. Um, yeah, okay. So, so you think with these guys, you have to pick them for the long ride. You have to show a little bit of... I still think we are in that price range. I mean, okay. unless there's like... I, th- I think it was last year where we noticed... Early Callum Mills, like the role was different. Like he's playing more defense, so like and we were like, shit. okay, no, this is a role change. This is okay. different. I'm still of the old school mindset that pick your premiums, stick with your premiums. And these guys still, you know, I mean, they're cheaper, but they're still in that premium price racket. Um, yeah. that's, a, uh, I, that's a tough one. I think it would okay. depend on the circumstance, but yeah. sorry yeah. to, I no, that's all completely good. lost your train of thought there. Well, I mean, LDU's a guy like we, we, I think everyone can probably agree that this guy at his best is. He's a jet. He's a jet. And he's a fantasy jet and he's a football jet. So six game stretch last year where he averaged one twelve. He's priced at what's he priced at? Uh ninety eight, I want to say. So you know, he he's able to show that over like six game stretch is a reasonable stretch. He can average, you know, a really decent clip in fantasy. The the injuries are the thing. Yeah. That's it's the main flag there. I, I don't I don't even know whether there is so much another flag because he even with all of North Melbourne's um, incoming young talent, he's still going to be the main midfield guy. He's yeah. still going to be the 75, 80% midfield CBA guy. Like, they yeah. want him in there. Maybe the only other flag being, like, thirst, occasionally watching him. But yeah. th- th- that could be related to injury, you see. Yeah, that. see, I remember which game was I think it was the Lions game where he versed the Lions in round five. I, that was the game where I remember watching him and going, he did not give a fuck that game. Oh, and, and they felt, got pumped. Felt fa- fair enough. But but they're going to get pumped a fair bit, I would have thought. Yeah. And but, but at the same time, when he versed the Cats later in the year and they got pumped there, he scored 122. So uh, part of me thinks that a fair chunk of it was the injuries. And I will say, if your concern is that he's an injury-prone player, the pr- season prior, he played 21 games. Yeah. The season prior, he played 20, 20 games. games yeah. And then the, the few seasons there, like, he wasn't really completely entrenched in their, like, best 22. And he wasn't the player that we know him to be now. Right at the start, yeah. So, yes, he had a few annoying injuries last year. What did he, he had, like, a... What do you have? That was that injury at the end of the, the season? What I think you, it was a surfing injury. A surfing injury. Very random. Loves so avid surfer. Avid surfer. Um, so I don't know how much we can predict surfing injuries moving forward. He had that heel injury, which caused him to be that late out in round three. Yeah. 
And I reckon when he came back from that one at round four, five, six, he missed round seven, played round eight, nine. I think that was something that really was lingering. Yeah, yeah, he was definitely um, underdone. It felt that way anyway, hey. And then when he came back round 16, 17, 18, look, it, it seemed to be okay. That's a reason why he's playing better. Yeah. I, I can build that narrative. And whether or not that's true or not, I guess we'll find out. But I think at least that holds some weight to me that it was. it's, it's really been one injury, like the heel thing, yeah. whatever that really was. Um, so I'm not ready to sit here and say he's injury prone just yet. Is that fair to say, or am I maybe being a bit too optimistic? Maybe a little optimistic. Maybe a bit. Just this is just opinion based stuff, yeah. that, you know. And again, give give your opinion in the comments section um, as well, guys. But I think there's too much of that potential pop and that potential upside um, to uh, to probably ignore a guy that's underpriced like this. The the thing, too, that could work in his favour is we're expecting Sheasel to go into the midfield this year as well. And, um, you know, there's mm. potential attention from, you know, opposition teams that may not go to LDU. So. Yeah, well, we, we saw that in the, the Hawthorne matchup where we were sure that he was going to get tagged, but he was let, able to run th- run free. And um, he scored 138 that game, with it, which was his highest score of the entire season. Um, and they did choose to, to clamp down on Sheasel from the Finn McGuinness tag. So, interesting. I don't know if that'll... At least it just takes a little bit of the, the, the fear away from you know another avenue to him scoring floor games. That's but, it. But for now, I, I am tentatively... I'm not as bullish as him as I am with like a Jack Steele. Yeah. Because uh, there's just been a little bit of other things outside of the fact of injuries like, you know, you know, questioning his thirst and things like that about like... <laughs> yeah, know, good thirst. Shout that. out to Dossie. <laughs> of like, you know, like how much of a gun can this guy be? How good can he be in a poor side that he is? But at this stage, I am leaning towards... The answer is... No question about it. I am ready to, to get hurt, hurt again. again. Very apt, actually. Yeah, yeah very apt que- uh, one to put on him there. All right, two more players we're going to talk about in today's pod. Um, Took Miller, we'll start with. Uh, obviously, new coach. Yep. Another one of those guys, very similar to Jack Steele, 122, the same year that Steele averaged 121, yep. 110, the same year he averaged 110. So very, very similar um, you know, career averages over the past three seasons. Price at 96. Difference between Steele and him, obviously he's got the early buy. Early buy, new coach. New coach. What are your thoughts with Jack Steele? Oh, sorry, not Jack Steele, with Tuke Miller as an option, as an underpriced premium. And there's no doubt about it that he is, I think... Underpriced, yeah, for what he can do. If he's in twenty percent of teams, yeah, really, which is crazy. It's more than steel, which What's, blows I mean, my mind a little bit. A slight tangent: How much do we trust the ownership percentages on the on the official fantasy That's a good question. site right now? What I would expect is that the ownership percentage right now is almost more reflective of what it would be starting round one, because right now it's yeah. Sweaties and your, you know, it's like the <laughs> your sweaties. That's why I put the fan on high. Um, with that being said, a lot of people may not have a, a team actually fully assembled, so that might throw things out. But yeah, we do know that you know auto filled teams come into place, and some I think it's usually those first two games, like the Richmond and Carlton team and ownership skyrockets, and so it is. It is hard to give these numbers complete. Yeah, um, with. Oh man, it's tough. With with yeah. with took it like I said, new coach, early buy. So Dimmer also like the narrative is that midfielders Yeah, do you believe in this? Don't score. Well, people will point to Taranto last year, but in my mind, Dimmer wasn't I don't know whether Dimmer like, fully investors are on word. I, I I'm, Yeah, 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 I'm, yeah I get what you're saying. Yeah. You know, I'm not um sort of choosing my words wisely here, but I just don't know whether Dimmer was going to go and say, Tim Taranto, stop doing what you're doing because we don't think it's in the best. Yet. Like he he was kind of, his yeah. head was elsewhere. So, so you think there is something to... I think there could be something. Well, it's just a, it's a fast game style that he likes to yeah. play. Yeah. So I don't know whether there's as much um, chip mark accumulation here. And it, all, all I'm saying for, for Tuke and those people that own him is I'm just going to be watching very closely in the preseason. I'm going to be watching, he's got a round zero game. Yes, yeah, yeah you get a good look at it, obviously. And um, what would you have to see in those games to select him? I'd have to see a whole bit. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know if there's anything I'd see that would like. I'm pretty on the camp that I'm not starting Tuke Miller. Yeah. Um, there's too many question marks in terms of new coach, other players around him improving in Rail and Anderson. Must um, start Oh no, mate. 
you are getting old. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> I should put it up on my head. That's where I need it. Uh, yeah. Um, so I, there's, there's too many question marks that I think a one-game sample size in the first game of the season is going to really get me over the line to start him despite him having an early buy when I think other players like LDU, like a Jack Steele, have a similar price tag and a similar level of upside. So to me, him is – he's just not a guy that I'm really considering. And um, I do think when we talked about – He's done the, the, the he's done it before argument. This is where I go. Well, there are reasons that he's priced this way, and one of them is injury. Yeah, but there's also not a clear sign to say like the the, the dynamic that he's in right now is very different to what it was one year, even two years ago. Yeah, when he was the guy at Gold Coast, whereas I don't know if he's going to be the guy this season. Um, the the one thing I would say that that Tuke has going in his favour is the fact that when he's out there, he will fucking work hard. for Oh you. yes, if he's he in your team, he's going to be watch. He's going to be working hard for you. That's yeah. that's what I'll say about. Definitely Tuch. someone I'll be looking at after his buy. Yeah, not someone I'm I'm really considering starting. This brings us to our last player here, who again is a very very popular player. He is in over thirty two, or he's about thirty two percent rostered in AFL fantasy. Sammy Walsh, who is undeniably underpriced. Yes. At uh, what is he at? What's his priced at tag? Why do Carlton have to have the round two buy? Oh, it just the makes worst. life more. He's priced under ninety five, ninety four point six, yep. eight hundred and fifty four thousand, eight hundred and fifty four thousand for Sam Walsh. Yeah. Round two buy. Well, I mean, round two buy, yes. But there's a patch of the season. Let me read you his scores from a patch of the season. I don't know whether there's injury, whatever this. And this coincides with Carlton playing their best football. Remember, Carlton came home like a wet sail. So a patch of games, 90, 112, 55, 91, 82, 90, 90, 76, 53. After 53 is injured, the last 53. And I think that was 53 and almost like a quarter and a half. So the last 53, ignore that. Yep. And again, I haven't dug into these stats, so someone will probably let me know that I'm talking out my ass and there's factors influencing this. But... What what do you read into that stretch? Is that is that a, yeah. is that Sam Walsh or let There's me read a, let me read you the previous patch? Sorry to cut you off, man. Yeah. One oh two, I'll ask you a question, then I fucking keep talking. Classic, <laughs> classic me. The previous stretch, one oh two, one thirty one, one twenty eight, one oh nine, one twenty three. So which patch is Sam Walsh? That's right. And that's and that's like that's a question you would ask yourself even if you didn't have a round two yeah, buy. Like, yeah, that's it, what like, I'm asking. It's, it, it's, yeah. it's not like a slam dunk, he's this undervalued jet that's going to be 110 yeah. because th- that patch is real. Like And like you said, they were playing good footy at the time yeah, and there's a few schools of thought that I've seen out there. One, that they changed up their game style a little bit. Um, Carlton was still one of the highest scoring fantasy teams, I think, in the comp last Over year. Over the whole year? Over the whole year. I'd love to know the split between first half, second yeah. half. Can we find that somehow? Jaden Papowski, if you're listening, um, dig up those stats for us yeah, because yeah. that would be very interesting. But... Yeah. Um, and so he was kind of not on the end of as many marks, not getting as many tackles. He was coming in from the forward and from the wing sometimes. His CBAs, if I look at them, look, they weren't dramatically different from that patch. Like like his first, he had an 83% game against the Saints, which I do remember he scored really big in that game. But for the most part, throughout the entire season, he was sort of around that 40 to 50 mark. In the finals, he did really step it up and go 71, 67, 58, 79. And maybe that's what people are clinging on to. Um, but at the same time, a lot of the time in that period, Carlton weren't fully healthy. There was players out. There was guys playing different roles. Doherty moved in there. There's a lot of moving pieces at Carlton that I really have a hard time penciling in what I expect Sam Walsh to be this season. And when he's going to miss the second game of the year, to me, I, again, just like a Tuke Miller, I don't really see a world where I'm starting Sam Walsh in my fantasy side. Yeah, I'm finding it very hard to justify with that early buy. Um, I'd, be, I'd be, rather than starting him, I'd be more inclined to do the, the old Tom Green, Houdini, income yeah, Walsh treat. Get him but in. Yeah. Uh, again, I'm not endorsing that. Um, last five, in their last five matches for Carlton, their ruck contests, so like their stoppages, stoppages, actually increased last five versus okay. the whole year. So it's not first half, second half data. Yeah. Um, and obviously, there's far more to it than just looking at that ruck contest number. Um, but yeah, I'd just be really interested to look at the and stats. He missed. He missed most of those games as yeah, well. Yeah. What about? I mean, let me check the total fantasy points for Carlton in the last five. 
Yeah. What are we? So total there? fantasy points, they were in the bottom half. They were one, two, three, and I believe four, they were towards last. the top for the season. So let's check it out. Fantasy points. I could be talking out of my ass. No, here. no, you're right here. So, so fantasy points reduced in the second half drastically. They were so they were second overall on the season, but last five games they were bottom half bottom half so I mean like somebody could correct us we could again be not looking at the full picture here but that's interesting isn't it yeah and, and that to me tells me faster game plan but and the other thing not tied into that they were winning like it yeah. worked and yes. that's been that's been what people have been saying about Carlson for a long time too that they that was kind of like why they weren't succeeding with as much talent as they had as they yeah. dicked around with the ball too much um, they you know, at least what those stats support is that they did switch it up, try to be a bit more direct, yeah, and it worked. It like fucking they, worked. They, they got good. into the. I mean, they almost fucking carried yeah. it all the way. Yeah. What? Okay. To play devil's advocate, then try and present both sides. Why then did a guy like Nick Newman yeah. explode in the last five? So you know what I mean. If we're going to make this argument, we have to. At there least must be something too with that game style because. He then stepped into the Bashahuli role, the Jaden Short role, where so wanted it. he was the Dang. designated guy that, you know, maybe they didn't dick around with it much, but when they did, it was to him, and he was the decision maker, and he yeah. was the guy that got them going. And this is true. Like, think about the, the AFL field. Obviously, we break it into its three sections. Those teams that play that slingshot style fast, they slingshot from the back line. They don't spend much time Mids. in that yeah. midfield zone, chipping it around. They yep. fucking get it in there. So, I mean... Yeah. Again, we're just here just sort of discussing, aren't we? But um, I'd be interested to know everyone else's thoughts Yeah, as let well. us know your thoughts. But at, at this stage, I mean, do you disagree with me that Sam Walsh... I haven't got Walsh in the Oxlongs. No! God, please, yes. no! No! He fell short no! of the Oxlongs, you could say. Yeah, well, no! there you go. He, uh, he's in the Ox shorts this time, uh, <laughs> not the Oxlongs. But... I wonder how many rounds in until I change the name to the Ox shorts again. <laughs> yeah, that'll be... Mate, I've got a good feeling about you this year. I reckon what, the, the Ox longs I... are going to stand up proud and uh, announce themselves. Correct, <laughs> mate. We're coming into the top ten. <laughs> That's absolutely correct. All right, let us know... What do I change, it to? What do I change the name to if, I, if I'm going to win a hat? Like, if in, what does it become? Oh, the Ox really long? <laughs> I don't know, the Ox Girths or something? Oh, the Ox Girths. <laughs> I'm just a legs fan, mate. Okay, wrap, wrap this <laughs> thing up. Enough penis jokes. We'll move on and talk about the mid-pricer midfielders next. So make sure you guys stick around. Hit that big old red or white or whatever it is at the moment. Subscribe button. Hit the bells up and stay tuned for our next video. And we will catch you guys later. Until next time, we will see you then. Bye. 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 <laughs> Oh, I thought I clicked it. <laughs>